0: Up next, Biz 503, the Portland-centric podcast for startups and small businesses. We believe it, we live it, and there's something about Brand Portland that has taken a meteoric rise in our world. Good afternoon, and welcome to Biz 503, the Portland-centric podcast for startups and small businesses. I'm Rebecca Webb, co-founder of Portland Radio Project.
1: And I'm Krista King of Fitlandia.
0: Food carts are everywhere in Portland. There are somewhere between 500 and 700 across our city. Some of them sit alone on parking lots next to bars. Some of them congregate in pods like dolphins, some with fire pits and beer and some with Wi-Fi's and TVs. There are even food carts in the airport.
1: We're talking food carts today on Biz 503. And it should be said, there have always been changes in the food cart world. And as you all know, there's a lot of changes in Portland in general. As an outsider looking in, we sometimes think it's uniquely transient and an adaptable form of small business. But here today, we're going to talk about from an insider's perspective, what it's like to deal with the property values increasing rapidly, as well as other changes affecting the food cart owners. For
0: example, a beloved pod at Southeast 28th and Division, Tidbit. You familiar with that one? It just closed this month. And two other pods, one at Zydell Yards in the South Waterfront, one called the Cubby Hole at 15th and Alberta, Northeast. Those closed at the end of August.
1: And again, some people think that food carts were always meant to be a pop-up business and to be temporary but we want to expose the real experience as a food cart owner. And as me living in Northeast Alberta Arts District, I'm certainly aware of all the changes that have been happening in the industry.
0: With us in the studio today, Brett Burmeister, editor-in-chief of Food Carts Portland, the city's preeminent food cart blog, also a food cart tour guide. Do you use those segues? (laughs)
2: No, no segues.
0: We also have Greg Abbott, former owner of Whiffy's Fried Pies, which stood at 12th and Hawthorne for many years, was one of the first food carts, in fact, on the east side. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. And special guest. Veronica Gutierrez, co-owner of La Arepa, a Venezuelan food cart with locations at 52nd and Sandy and 52nd and Foster, which is right across the street from our studios. How handy is that? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Welcome, Hello.
0: Veronica. Happy Thank to have you. you. <laughs> now, before we get started, you brought in something that looks just delicious from your food cart across the street. Can you tell us what these are?
4: Well, those are uh, patacón. It's uh, plantain. plantain. It's a sandwich mm. made of green plantain. We use the plantain instead of the bread, and we fill it up with meat like chicken, beef, fish, or we also made it as vegan or vegetarian options. So we got for everybody. Krista plunged right I in. Did. <laughs> And it's really tasty. <laughs> I These mean, everybody. Amazing! <laughs> it is
1: a flavor bomb. Yeah, it is. That's right. the
4: idea. And we also add salad and mayo, mustard, and cotija cheese. Oh, wow. I love it!
1: The textures, everything.
4: So, <laughs> Appreciate tell us a little
1: bit more about your cart. You own it with your family, correct?
4: Yeah, yeah. It's a family business. My parents opened the first one back in 2011 in a la carte food pavilion, another part that was sold for development. So they had to move to Northeast and Sandy Boulevard uh, last year. So that's why we had to make this movement. And we decided to open the second one in Southeast because we didn't want to abandon our Southeast customers. Mm. So that's the reason why we opened the second one to come back to the origins, which is Southeast Portland. And talk about the meaning of La Arepa. La arepa is our special bread. It's the bread that we use for everything in Venezuela. And it's made of cornmeal, which is gluten-free. And we fill it up with everything. I mean, everything you can imagine can be inside an arepa. We open it as a pocket and we fill it up.
0: So that's the arepa. yeah, (laughs) And it is delicious. What was that like for you to watch your friends have to move their cart? Well, that was
4: kind of complicated because that represents an issue for owners, because we need to find a better place. We need to find a neighborhood that maybe, you know, has to be busy as a business point of view. And it's complicated. But thankfully, in Portland, we have several options right now, thanks to the increasing and growing of this business. And thankfully, we found a new place, which is Northeast. But yeah, it's kind of tricky at the beginning.
0: Yeah. And why did you decide to start a food cart rather than open a regular restaurant?
4: Because we saw that, well, my parents uh, in 2011, that was an activity who was like a growing up. And Portland is a very open-minded uh, community for this type of activity. So we decided that it would be better to start like small and to risk. And we decided like open in a food truck instead of restaurant.
1: That's awesome. So yeah. you mentioned that there was a move, and I think mm-hmm. for a lot of us that view food carts as being portable, we might think it's easy, but tell us what the no. real experience is like to have to move. No, you have to inform to the health department about your move.
4: You have to pay for moving your card. And also, of course, you have to pay a higher uh, price rent fee because not all of them, not all the pods have the same price. So right. maybe it can represent an increase in your monthly payments and your expenses as well.
1: And then I'm thinking about all the back end stuff as an entrepreneur, the website and communicating yeah, with your loyal customers. Yeah, everything. Marketing
4: materials, website, right. And also we work with delivery companies and we have to, of course, inform all of them to avoid misunderstanding with customers that uses those websites as well. Like maybe we, for example, we were located in Martin Luther King before moving to Southeast, the second one. And um, some customers thought that we were still located at that location because those websites, well, it was like a quick change. So they had to, it was kind of complicated. It, It can have misunderstandings. Right. And I think
1: that's so great for the listeners to really appreciate is Mm -hmm. that it's not an easy process. You're Mm -hmm. basically rebuilding your business from the ground up. Yeah, exactly.
4: That's true.
0: So Brett, this is going to be a very familiar story to you then as an observer of the food cart scene. What parts of of what Veronica said resonate?
2: Well, the one thing uh, that is unique about this is the language, uh, food cart a food truck, a a street food, the underlying language says that it's mobile. Uh, Here in Portland, for going on more than 30 years, our food carts have not been mobile. They've been parked. Mm -hmm. So based on the just nature of that, you might have a trailer with an axle sitting somewhere for three to five to 19 years. How do you move that? Right. How many of us have ever tried to, maybe move grandma's car out of the driveway that has been there for 30 years. Things stop working. And so that's really one of the biggest challenges is food carts owners, they get their cart and they start their business out for everything. They don't have an F-250 pickup truck that can then move that cart somewhere. So that's an extremely you know, onerous expense along with all the other changes. And you were talking about the, like the online stuff, et cetera. It takes a long time to change Google, Facebook, Yelp. I mean, you name all the different parameters and just changing hours sometimes takes long time versus changing an address because then they send you mail to verify. Well, where the food cart pods are, that's not a mailing address that you can receive mail at.
1: I I love that you're talking about that. I have an online business, so I can totally relate to how challenging it is to, to make all those changes. So one question I had when it comes to move or any kind of disruption in a car, what's the community like to get support to make those changes amongst the owners themselves? Well, it's the community always
4: is open for these changes, but at the same time, they feel like abandoned once again, as I told you before, because some of their favorite trucks are not there anymore. So they have to move, further, it can be uh, complicated for everybody at the same time.
2: And one thing to point out is on the east side, um, where we have a lot of these pods that have closed over the course of the last 10 years, it usually happens very quickly within 30 days, if not even shorter. If your neighborhood grocery store or your new seasons or your salon just wasn't there The next time you went in, because how often do we go to some of these types of places, what are you going to do? We're not all actively following our favorite purveyors of something online. And so unless you are actively doing that, which actually I do, but a lot of people don't, and so suddenly there's an anger and there's a frustration because, and sometimes in our current society, it's taken out on the owner not the circumstance. And so that's one of the challenges that occurs because they might, La Repa might announce that they're moving, but their customers are not necessarily following that. And then suddenly- It's just not there. It's just yeah. not there. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I want to get Greg Abbott in here, former owner of Whiffy's Fried Pies. We're going to do that and also talk about the pressure on the real estate development market in Portland and where we might see food carts cropping up next or disappearing when we
2: come back. Support for Biz 503 comes from acreative.agency, specializing in marketing automation and web development. For more, go to acreative.agency.
1: Welcome back to Biz 503. I'm Krista King of Fitlandia with Rebecca Webb of the Portland Radio Project. Our topic today is the changing landscape for our PDX food carts.
0: Originally, food cart pods were carts lined up in a parking lot, but pods are so much more than that now.
1: The division pod tidbit, for example, had trees, bathrooms, fire pits, tables, a covered area and a beer cart. And there's a new food cart pod in the works that will surround a Barrelic Brewing location at Northeast 60th and Halsey. The brewery says it will, in its words, be curating the hell out of the food cart pod. (laughs)
0: Back with us in the studio now. Veronica
1: Gutierrez,
0: co-owner of La Arepa, Brett Burmeister, editor-in-chief of Food Cards Portland, and Greg Abbott of the late Whiffy's Fried Pies. And I just have to ask you, Greg, is there any particular reason that you're no longer in the food card business? I think there are a
3: couple of different things sort of converged. I started to burn out. I had a child with my wife and the late nights and the early mornings and the long days just started to wear on me.
0: And do you think that's unique to the food cart experience or is it something that's shared by anyone starting a business or running a business?
3: Um, I think that it's sort of universal across small businesses. My parents own a business. When I was a child, I sort of grew up around this sort of lifestyle. I think there are some special considerations that go into food cart stuff. You know, you deal with cold days, hot days. It's always hot. It's always cold. Something's always breaking. You know, you're in a 25-year-old trailer,
0: or in the case uh, recently, exploding. well, Thankfully, nobody (laughs)
3: was seriously
0: hurt in that explosion. But is that a sign, uh, Brett, of kind of a cost of doing business with a food cart, that there are forces, you know, you're dealing with forces kind of beyond your control?
2: Oh, very much so. Yeah. In the dead of winter, uh, vendors can't open because their water tanks are frozen. In the heat of summer, which Every summer, the last three summers, we've had an extremely hot 100-degree days. They can't be in their food carts. Their fridge is shut down. It's unhealthy for humans to be inside this 16 by 20 space. And then everything breaks. Anything breaks. Even the brand-new food carts, something breaks. That's the nature of being in a small business. I think, though, when you're working with a lot of different moving parts, it could uh, add to that uh, drama.
1: Yeah. And I certainly am learning so much more. Like I didn't know about the age of the carts. I mean, certainly now that I hear that, it's like, you know, your dumb moment. But I love getting this kind of inside reality of what it's like to run a food cart. And Greg, I want to go back to, um, you know, the, the number of hours that you have to put into it, just like a lot of small businesses, right? You're wearing every single hat. But talk a little bit about what a typical day looks like, because I think a lot of people think, oh, it's open from this hour to this hour, right? (laughs) And then the magic happens. But but
3: what's it really like? Um, In the beginning, we were only open from 8pm to 3am. And my day typically started at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'd go to cash and carry, I'd pick up my supplies. And I'd start prepping, you know, my crew would come in in the afternoon and start busting the stuff out. But my day would typically start at 10 o'clock in the morning and end at like 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning.
1: Oh, wow. And how many people did you have working on your crew at the time?
3: Uh, it was my sister and my buddy, Matt. Okay. So, so just the three of you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Talk a little bit, Brad, about what CARTs are doing
0: now to sort of adapt and face some of the challenges that they are confronting.
2: Um, well, as far as a small business challenge, it's the nature of a small business. So you either work your own and you work with your family to grow your business, which is, you can see that across all small businesses, or you hire and you make sure that you can afford to staff. There's a lot of change going on in the food cart scene. There sometimes is not as much creativity as we've seen in the past 10 years in Portland. Portland was put on the map by having such an amazing street food scene that was honestly born out of an amazing food scene, an amazing wine scene, an amazing beer scene, et cetera. Craft
1: Everything. taken to the next <laughs>
2: level. Um, really, the challenges right now, downtown specifically, is going to be towers in the next five to 10 years, 100 and some vendors displaced. Eastside, more and more, everybody wants to be close in. Everybody wants to be close in East Side living and enjoying life, et cetera, but the property values... Are pushing all the street food further and further out, will we get to a point where you can't find food carts past 52nd, past 82nd? And so those are the things that are occurring right now. And then beyond that, I'm glad La Arepa was able to find two locations. There are not that many locations anymore. If you suddenly displace 12 carts, that means 12 vendors need to find a new location. There are not 12 new locations available. Uh, People are not developing food cart pods close enough in to be viable right off the bat. They need to grow.
1: And since this is such a major part of the Portland culture, Mm -hmm. is there anything that we're doing to preserve food carts? Because like you said, if we displace 125 food carts downtown and we have to go out, you know, 12 miles to access a food cart, that's really going to change our culture.
2: Yeah. It's the same with a lot of things that are changing in this city uh, across the board. I don't have the full answer to that question. One of the goals that I've worked with a few food cart owners on is to modify the parking lot that says that no uh, business in the right of way in the city center land, which is downtown and close in East side. You can't park a food truck and vend out to the sidewalk. That's why we have food carts on parking lots. If we can modify that law and change where food trucks can park on city streets, identify specific areas, permit them for four hours a day, then we can preserve street food in downtown without having the food carts on the lots, which will be towers. The challenge being is that there's not a cohesive organization of food cart owners that are fighting for their own future. And if I'm
1: recalling another challenge is there might not be enough portable pods to actually move after their four hours.
2: um, What you'd be looking at is more food trucks, uh, full-size food trucks that are the size of like a FedEx van or a UPS truck.
1: Okay, got Um,
2: it. There are plenty of those that would take advantage of that. The challenge being is who is going to physically walk up to city council and say, we need to preserve this and do this. And it has to be... The people who are fighting for their own future. And that's one of the biggest challenges. Over the last 10 years, there have been numerous iterations of a food truck association, and it has died within a month. Because nobody's ever had to fight anybody, (laughs) fight for anybody. Well,
3: I did a lot of fighting behind the scenes. You did. (laughs) I pretty much fought everybody by myself for... Close to five years. Yeah,
2: Greg, Greg was actively involved. And we, we, we fought against the Oregon Health Authority and we fought against Multnomah County on, on some very specific things that would just shut down food trucks. The challenge is, is, these were individuals fighting for something for 700, 900 small businesses instead of an organization of 700 and 900 businesses that could come together. That's one of the biggest challenges in this scene.
0: Okay, but I see Greg nodding. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll ask him if he's willing to take on that problem <laughs>
2: right after this. Thanks to Acreative.agency, specializing in marketing, automation, and web development. For more, go to A creative. Agency.
0: Welcome back to Biz 503. I'm Rebecca Webb with Krista King, and we're talking about the changes in the PDX food cart scene today, pods opening, pods closing. Rarely have we seen this much change.
1: Yes. And Greg, I want to kind of explore a little bit more about your experience in fighting that good fight and trying to organize and create some stability around the food cart scene. Can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you were trying to do?
0: And we should remind our listeners that Greg is the former owner of Wiffy's Fried Pies, which was at 12th and Hawthorne for years. So what about it, Greg?
3: Um, Well, Brett and I, at one point in 2011 or 2012, put together a street food association, and we had probably six months worth of meetings once a month. We had a pretty good mailing list going, but there wasn't enough follow-up with everyone. And... The issues that were sort of driving that in the background, Brett and I were working to take care of on our own. And because it never became a real existential crisis, I don't think that anyone really even realized how much of a crisis was going on at the time, like how close the health authority was to making rules that would have made it prohibitive to have food carts in the city. They were pushing pretty hard. Um, And I think the fact that there was no existential crisis for a lot of these business owners, they thought, oh, this will go on forever. No one will ever... Step in and make a enough of a fuss to make this hit home for them.
0: So obviously, we want um, healthy food. We want safe food from our food carts. What was the issue? In what way were they making it impossible? What was the standard?
3: Um, they were trying to. I forget exactly how they were it was trying was to mop sinks. Yeah, it was there were. One so, the there things. one of the things was mop sinks. Like having a mop sink in a sixteen by eight foot space is prohibitive and. Restaurants were required to have a mop sink, so it was a sort of contentious issue.
0: Meaning that you are not washing your mop in the same sink that you're
3: preparing food? Right. Got it. And there are other ways that you can go about mopping the floor without having a mop sink. And that was one of the things that we ended up sort of working out. Um, there were some proposed rules about regulating what a food cart pod looks like, what's allowed to be on a food cart pod. And there were just some other sort of onerous rules that they were trying to implement at the time. I can't remember exactly all of them off the top of my head. but
2: And this was coming from a state level, um, not from a city level. And here in Portland, the city of Portland is very hands-off on the street food. The uh, Multnomah County Board of Health is the arbiter of street food. And I will point out, go to Multnomah County Board of Health, street food. They have a guide for how to open up a food truck, and they've won a federal and state awards for it because it's in 12 different languages. Uh, Multnomah County Board of Health is listed as one of the best counties to uh, work with in street food and in restaurants across the nation. So it was interesting that this was coming from a from a state perspective saying that you as Multnomah County, you're not doing enough because we were the only ones in the state that were really doing street food.
4: What was
0: your experience with the county, Veronica?
4: Well, with Multnomah County, you mean... Uh... They have been very helpful with us. They try to keep all the information as clear as possible. It's important to have all this information, especially because we also participate in fairs or in other events and where we have to put canopies and all those things. And if you don't do everything correctly, you get the risk of losing all the food that you bring to that event. But uh, from the point of view of the food truck, thankfully, we haven't had any issues with the um, health department we will not. A- Knock
1: on something. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like there's really a lot of challenges in yeah. running a successful food cart, especially with all the changes happening in the city, working with the health department, etc. But we still see new carts popping up. So talk a little bit. Um, I'll start with you, Brett. Talk a little bit about Are they just not aware of the challenges until they get into it? Or are they just so driven by their passion for their craft that they're willing to give it a shot?
2: Well, there are a couple different perspectives on that. One is there is a community out there where street food is their life. Street food is what they have done, usually an immigrant community, uh, etc. But then there's another side of that that's uh, an entrepreneur who knows that a restaurant in this city is $250,000, a food cart is $30,000. What if I tried something? What if I tried to build a brand? What if I tried, hey, that could take off or I can tweak it a little bit. And there've been a number of wonderful stories where people have, you know, lardo is a perfect story. Right, let's come to Portland and make really fatty pork sandwiches. Will <laughs> Portland eat them? And we <laughs> ate them all. So um, those are the examples So a low cost uh, entry compared to a brick and mortar, and it can be a very lucrative enterprise compared to a brick and mortar.
3: Okay, based because on a cost. number
2: of different factors that apply to a brick and mortar that don't necessarily apply to a food cart.
1: Got it, Veronica. Mm-hmm. You are you are nodding your head um, as you see fellow owners coming up. Is is that their experience? They're just so driven.
4: Yeah, of course, you want to do everything the best way, way possible and to follow all the rules, even though some of those rules are kind of nonsense, but those things you have to to follow to continue the, the idea. And for example, we decided that maybe in the future we will be experiencing with doing a business as a restaurant per se or selling in grocery stores, because the food truck scenes allows you to be more creative and to maybe expand your business in other branches that allows you to develop more as a business. Now that you have your brand developed with the customers, now everybody knows you thanks to the food truck. So yeah, it's very important for
0: us. So Brett, are food carts responding to all the change? Are they able to respond?
2: From my perspective, nobody is responding to the upcoming changes. Um, The information is out there that the city is changing drastically and that property is developing and that downtown is changing. I am actually seeing some more changes in downtown. Um, This past summer may have been the last summer for some food carts um, who have decided they're going to move on uh, to other adventures because they don't want to risk losing money during winter and then suddenly the change occurs in April so they have they're actively finding their next adventure or actively moving their cart um, we don't know nobody unless you are working for the city of Portland or the owners of the property you don't know when that deadline is going to be but if you're in downtown Portland um, you're on a month-to-month lease and they can ask you to leave at any point and that's that's scary it's if you're a small business owner and somebody says, oh, yeah, by the way, in 30 days, bye. And you have no recourse. It's, yeah. And it's it, and, that's a scary thing.
1: And it sounds like that alarm bell hasn't really rung for everyone yet to organize and start proactively working with the city to create some of that security.
2: Correct.
0: Yeah. So is there no organization presently that represents food guards? That is correct. So, Greg, are you up for the job?
2: No. <laughs>
3: I'd be happy to help somebody organize it. I'd be happy to transfer all the knowledge that I have, get them on all the committees that I used to be on and help organize the thing. But I don't have the time or the energy at this particular moment to...
2: There are people who are out there actively engaging with the Multnomah County and the state and the city, but it's one person or it's two people. And that's, that's hard to affect change unless you have a body of politic behind you.
0: I think what we'll do is in the blog post that we have up about food carts, we'll go ahead and invite people if they want to participate in something like that yeah. and provide them with your contact information. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys have been amazing. What an interesting, this is very different than the conversation that I thought we were going to have today. And uh, I, I think you really gave us a good look inside some of the struggles the industry is facing. So Greg Abbott, uh, formerly of Whiffy's Food Cart Pies, and also Brett Burmeister, editor of Food Carts Portland, and also Veronica Gutierrez yeah. <laughs> of La Arepa, yes, uh, Food Carts on Foster and 52nd, and also the other location at Sandy Boulevard on and yeah. about 50th. Yeah, Yeah, Rose City Park. Great. Fabulous uh, to see you here today. And say the name of this dish one more time.
4: Thank you. It's a patacon. Mm -hmm. It's made with green plantain and it's filled with chicken or beef salad supreme, which is our version of the coleslaw. Delicious. (laughs) Thank
0: you so much for sharing it with us today. And next week on Biz 503, we're going to delve into businesses with a mission social entrepreneurship. See you then. Have a great weekend.